0: This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. So Tash, before we begin, if I could get you to very quickly just introduce yourself and what you do. Hello, my name is and the like.
1: Okay. <laughs> Hello, my name is Tash Al. I'm a novelist.
0: Good afternoon, you're listening to Bookmark with me, Uma Paganampke Pagan. Joining me on the show today is none other than Tash Aw. you know, the man Booker-nominated, Whitbread and Commonwealth award-winning Malaysian author of The Harmony Silk Factory and Map of the Invisible World and Five Star Billionaire. Yes, that Tash Aw. He's going to be at the Singapore Writers Festival, which runs between the 4th and the 13th of November. And I figured it would be a good time to catch up with the man and find out just what he's been up to. All right, Tash, Five Star Billionaire was a huge success. I enjoyed it very, very much. There's been a lot going on since then. People have acquired movie rights. Tell me what's happening because you're actually writing the screenplay, aren't you?
1: I have. Um, I've been involved uh, kind of more as a, a consultant. Um, I've had a sort of a hand at writing. Uh, but I think really, you know, it's been taken over by forces, greater than me, <laughs> uh, which I'm, I'm very happy with, but, and you know, the, 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 the film world is a crazy, crazy, crazy world. Um, and I do not really, really understand what goes on in film, what film people's minds. So all that is, is chugging through the system now. Um, Bernard Chordy, who's a, uh, you know, dear friend and amazing, uh, filmmaker is, is really holding the reins, uh of the project and he's driving it forward and um uh you know i think it's it's all going it's all going but when i can't tell
0: (laughs) Well, well so tell me about that because writing for the page must be so different for writing for the screen and this was your first time attempting writing for the screen am i right
1: Actually no, actually second. I mean, I, I have uh, you know, I, I've completed another screenplay. But you're right. It, it, it's it's um, it's really really different. Um, uh, it, you know, it, it just requires a completely a different part of the brain to to be in operation. Um, and you know, it's 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 essentially the same. I have the same kind of storytelling impulses that are at work, but it's just different techniques. It's a different way of visualizing how the story unfolds. So, yeah, it's been a great learning process for me.
0: And what's it been like trying to adapt your own work? Because I can imagine a certain detachment when you're trying to adapt someone else's.
1: Actually, much easier than I thought it would be. Oh really? Oh wow! <laughs> um, okay, I'm that's very good. Ruthless. and because I'm very ruthless, I think you know partly that I came to the script quite quite late on, and 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 Bernard and his team had already um, had a go at it, and and I, I took one look at the script. I, I, I so the first thing I said was that you know what, guys, this is not working because. Um, you have too much respect for the novel. I mean, the story um, of the acquisition of, of the film rights is that Bernard read it. I really in one sitting overnight and just and and really fell in love with it and, and you know, felt it spoke to people of our generation, you know, born in, in you know, the um, early to kind of mid 70s, um, because it captured a whole swathe of, of sort of, you know, lower middle class. Working class Malaysians striving to become bourgeois, and then you know what happened to them after they achieved what they wanted. Um, and he was so enthusiastic about it and loved the novel so much that that really tried to cram the whole thing into the screenplay. And it's a 400, 430 <laughs> yes, page novel with a lot of flashbacks, and it, you know, it it jumps around quite a lot, and that just wasn't possible um, in the screenplay. So I basically had to sort of um. Uh, you know, sit down with button and say, actually, you know, we have to get us in about two-thirds of this <laughs> and just decide which part of the novel you want to concentrate on. And, and that's, that's essentially what we did, and, and really trim everything down and, and, and focus the gaze of the screenplay.
0: And, and I guess that's the most important thing, because your novel, when it came out, and reading it again, say, in 2016, was remarkably predictive, as well, I think the stories you tell in your novel have become even more so and more apparent within the Malaysian-China <laughs> context today.
1: Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I, I guess you know that's it, that's one of the things that I couldn't, you know, I didn't foresee back then. I mean, there's a whole Malaysia-China thing going on, obviously, but there's also, you know, at at its heart, it's a very Malaysian novel. Um, a lot of it's set in Kelantan. Where my dad is from. Um, but a lot of it's all set in, you know, Damansara and, you know, and Bangsa and all these, you know, the, the, the smart middle class village um, suburbs that, that I kind of grew up in. And what happened, it's about politics as well and how people get involved with politics and how, you know, middle classness and, and, and wealth are inextricably linked to politics in Malaysia and how, you know, people suffer because of that. And, and and as a result, I think that was the only uncomfortable bit uh in the screenplay. Just it, it's visualizing it and feeling actually this feels a little bit too close to the bones of it. It it feels a little bit too real. Uh but otherwise, you know, in terms of adapting it from my own work, that wasn't a problem.
0: You know something interesting, Tash? I mean the, the thing that I loved most about your work and and, and reading all three of your books as a, as an oeuvre if you will, is that you feel like a restless writer in that you don't just rest on your laurels and rewrite the same thing. And it's something I quite enjoy because, yeah, of course, from Harmony Silk Factory, which was your homage to your roots, or what I gather was your homage to your roots, to writing about Indonesia and the 60s, and then moving on to something more contemporary. Is that just because you get bored yourself and need something new all the time?
1: I think yeah, certainly stylistically. I mean, you know, I, I'm always looking to, uh, I'm, I'm always looking to broaden my horizons. But I mean, in terms, of, it's very difficult to talk thematically about about one's own work. But I think you know, really, they're all expressions about about the things that are closest to me, and then they're expressions of, of how I see Malaysia. So in the first, the Silk Factory, was really a, a kind of homage to my my mother's side of the family. You know, it's, it's where I spent a lot of my childhood. You know the uh, all my school holidays were spent in in um in, in rural Berra. um map of the invisible world was it was it was more a kind of uh, you know it, it was kind of a novel of ideas that I, I felt i needed to do and i i felt i had ideas of of you know post colonialism and 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 things that you know opinions i had to express also you know a kind of um a growing awareness of of, of the political element of my writing. Um, if I start building, I guess is the closest to what, uh, to an homage to me and you know, my, the people in my generation because it's really about you know, growing up in a, in, in a KL suburb. I mean, of course, there is, has been since a small but very important book to me uh, which is called uh, The Faith, Strangers on the Pier. Uh, which right, which is, was uh, which uh, adapted from a-, a
0: New Yorker article.
1: No, it's the other way around. It, the The New Yorker article was an extract from the longer essay.
0: Ah, okay, because I bought really, the book after you know, I read the essay, so I, was, I thought that came uh-huh. first. Uh-huh. Ah, no,
1: no, no. Oh. Okay, so, so you will know that that is essentially, that's just, it's an essay, it's a long essay, but that's really, it's something that I felt couldn't be expressed in fiction, that I had to use non-fiction to do that. I wanted to certain directness to it, and that is really, you know, of all the things, I think it's it, it's probably the most personal thing I've written. I mean, it's undoubtedly the, the most personal thing I, I've written so far, probably the, the most personal thing I, I'll, I'll ever write. Um, not just a story about you know, my parents growing up, and, and an attempt to sort of understand my grandparents' life. Um, but really, you know, a, a straightforward sort of rendition of what it felt like to be growing up in the, in, in Gale and PJ in the 1980s, late 70s, and throughout the 80s into the 90s, um, and being in a in a government school, which you know, I, I guess, which has changed so much in in the last two decades.
0: It has, and, and I remember doing this. I, I bought the book at Kino, and I remember sending you an email after reading it because I think that's my yes. favorite work of yours because it's so personal, and because you approach nonfiction with the eye of a fiction writer, and it works so very well.
1: Yeah, thank you. I mean, I, I you know, there's a long passage I, I wrote that I got this the is that I got a commission from a very very cool um, ind- independent publisher in Brooklyn just to write an essay uh, about anything I wanted. And the only theme was that it had to be about the face, the one's face. But I soon realized that, you know, I had to write, in order to write about myself, I had to write about the people around me, and that meant family. But that also meant all the people that I was growing up, I, that I grew up with, all my school friends. Um, so there's this long chapter about uh, you know, going to school in La Salle PJ, just off Jalangasin. That's right. And I wrote this thing, thinking like who on earth you know these poor publishers in Brooklyn are going to receive this <laughs> essay and, and with this long passage about you know about uh, this funny school but you know it was it's been a huge success and you know I had people write to me from like, you know Wisconsin or even odd places um, that I'd never ever been to saying how much it spoke to them and so I think you know there is there is a certain you know we live in such Politically turbulent times all over the world, not just in Malaysia. So I think there's a sense in which, you know, this our story, your story, my story, the story of sort of forgiveness and people wanting to be optimistic growing up in, a, in an optimistic age, mm. now having to confront the reality that actually that optimism, you know, hasn't crystallized, hasn't materialized into anything that we can confidently say to you know, people, you know, our children, for example, are, 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 you know, people even 10, 20 years younger than us, we can't look at them and say, well, don't worry, things will be fine. We just don't know. And I think that's why, you know, Stranger the Appear, I think has spoken to a lot of people.
0: I love the fact that someone from Wisconsin appreciated the stories <laughs> of LaSalle PJ. That's an interesting, no, for lots of reasons, in that we're always told as asian writers or southeast asian writers that you know somehow your work is not going to translate and you know you'll have to italicize stuff and have footnotes and glossaries and all of that yeah. nonsense but you know yours is a great example the other one of course was uh, Cheryl tan's got a new book called sarong party girls uh, which is written entirely in singlish yeah 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 and uh, in, uh, entirely mm. in singlish with not a single italic in sight and yeah. And it's got great reviews in the United States, which, I guess, which proves that readers are willing to do the work. And have you found that to be yeah, true? Yeah, have you found that to be truer now? That that, that that they're a little more open to Southeast Asian fiction and, and our stories.
1: Um, you know, I, I it's not something I've ever that's ever entered into my thinking. You know, I, I've always always just just written for, um, for whoever I wanted to. I mean, I've never really given much thought to that to to the possibility of, of people thinking that my story isn't relevant you know i i think you know i've always thought that my story is relevant to to me at least and the people around me um i think your general point is that it is totally true which is that obviously people you know readers all over the world are not stupid um and they are willing to kind of listen to stories. It's a question of of, of you know of just getting those stories out there. Um, I, I think you know, the publishing world is full of sort of neurosis and 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 sort of um, and fear about losing money. So they'll tell you things like, well, you know, people are not interested in, in stories from the Philippines or Indonesia or Malaysia or you know or wherever it is. Um, and they'll say things like, you know, men don't like reading stories about um, wartime romance, or you know, it, 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 or anything, and it's all nonsense. You know, I think that there is a great openness, you know, all of it, there always has been, uh, and um, it's never something that I've thought about, anyway.
0: Well, I mean, does the same go for publications? Because you know, you've written quite a bit, like for the New Yorker. Mm. Uh, you've also written for the New York Times, and they're all stories yeah. that are rooted in. Malaysia. Now, what's interesting of course yeah. is that both of those publications are somewhat insular at the core and they often take stories that they know will appeal to a New York reading audience because that is their primary audience, despite being global publications. And yeah, yeah, yeah. do you find that's changed? I mean, do you find that they're they're slightly more open to because when I read Strangers on the Pier on a Pier in in, yeah. in the New Yorker, I was surprised. I mean, it was an amazing piece of writing, but I was surprised that the New Yorker ran it because it's so outside their realm of comfort.
1: Yeah, well, I think, you know, it's. I, I guess uh, things must be changing. The fact that they, that all these are commissioned works. I mean, you know, it, it, it's it's these magazines and these publications ringing me and saying, you know, well, can we, we do something? Can, you know, will you write something for us? What can we do? Um, and so the fact that they're asking me means that that, that they are interested, and they they do think it, it, it's you know that we have something you know interesting to say, um, and and I guess you know things evolve. The, the editors are getting younger and younger, more you know more well travelled, more well educated. And what people, and I think there is a greater awareness that we live in a connected world. I mean, you you go to spend any length of time, you know, one day in a city like New York, and you realize how fundamental um, it is that New York remains a kind of, uh, you know, a global city. So, you know, its publications have to reflect that. So, yes, I I would agree. I mean, uh, you know, things. Things are changing. I mean I mean the New Yorker and the New York Times I, I think are very generally relatively speaking, I think are, are very um broad minded publications and compared to a lot of other Western publications, um, which are incredibly insular. I mean absolutely incredibly insular. Um, I think there is a very deliberate um attempt uh in in a few of these journals now to kind of to look beyond their traditional uh, um realms of of interest
0: so there's a question i've been wanting to ask you for a long time which Mm. is what does it say or why do you think that so many of our great malaysian writers don't live in malaysia
1: uh you know i can't i don't know what their reasons are i mean but I, i can only speak for myself the greatest um Gift that any writer sort of can enjoy is the gift of objectivity, and that's something actually that's that's very difficult to to have. Uh, you, you know, I think I think that um, one has to fight for that, and I think the problem with Malaysia is that it's very difficult to be in Malaysia and not get subsumed by all the stuff that's happening politically. Certainly. Um, but socially, you know um it, it's very difficult to to be divorced from from f- the things that you hear being said around you. Uh you know, people you know this. I mean you know Malaysians are very vocal, very argumentative a lot. You, know, you go out oh, with your friends, you hang out with your Yeah, exactly. You know, you get you hang out with your friends, you, your family and it's never it's never restful. Everyone has an opinion. And you therefore have very strong opinions, and it's really difficult to know at any given time whether those opinions are actually uh, are objective yeah. uh, and you know i I personally feel that I, it's very difficult for me to to live full time in Malaysia and be i guess to have that objectivity that I need as a novelist, which is not the same as uh, having no opinion. I have on, on a personal level very strong opinions um uh, which are mine but as a novelist i need to be slightly more detached from that i need to, i need to, to 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 have a certain degree of, of objectivity in order to to bring my characters to life and to bring my settings to life um and that's why i think uh you know i think i you know for me it works better that i don't spend all year there i mean I, I still spend a hell of a lot of time in 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 malaysia and in, 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 And despite all my pledges to not spend so much time in KL, I find KL just has this gravitational pull on me. Um, And, you know, I guess this is why, you know, I live abroad most of the time, and and I I know about the others.
0: I think there is a certain amount of truth to that, which possibly works for everyone. That disconnect is probably necessary when, Especially when you're trying to write about that place, sometimes you're just a little too close, you don't see the forest or the trees and all of that
1: yeah no, ex- exactly you know you know when i when I'm back in in you know in California length of time I, I get filled with sort of you know like all sorts of indignation i I'm, I'm, I find myself in a in a, in a this, this state of permanent rage and I think I have to write I have to write about this and then I go away and write about it and and it's just all. It's nonsense. It's it's complete it's you know, it doesn't make sense, it doesn't make for a good story, it doesn't it, it doesn't it doesn't know what it thinks. It's writing that isn't clear and isn't truthful to itself. Um and it it's really just sort of, you know, a a platform for me to mouth off on. And then I have to sort of just scrap that and, and go back to sort of assimilating what I feel about, really feel about. About that situation,
0: I think you're absolutely right. That that no no that that phrase captures it perfectly. We're all pretty much in a state of permanent rage right now.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> I, for once, for once, I think that you know we are not alone. As I used to feel really kind of really isolated uh, in my in feeling that way. And every time I come back from from Malaysia to say London, and and everyone here is sort of just. Happily going along in some political, you know, in some political climate that never seemed to change, and now it's fantastic because everyone's like us. Yes, you know, exactly. You know, everyone is, it's it's been <laughs> When I hear people talk you know, in London or, or talk about Brexit, and you know, people in New York talk about Trump, um, I kind of think, well, you know, welcome to how Malaysians have have lived for like thirty years.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely right. Before, before I let you go, Tash, can you tell us what you're working on now? Are you working on anything? Are you close to finishing something?
1: I'm, I'm never close to finishing anything. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, I actually took a long break out of fiction. I was just so exhausted by there and, and actually so kind of, um, I did put off fiction. I, I, you know, I just, I was just kinda of, actually to be honest, quite disgusted by it. I just couldn't read fiction. And so I started to read a lot of nonfiction. And I, I spent, you know, a year and a half reading nothing but nonfiction. Especially, you know, essays. Um, rereading essays by a lot of my favorite essayists, James Baldwin notably, uh, Alice Walker. Um, mm-hmm. and that's that's one of the reasons I, you know, I wanted to write uh, Strangers on the Pier. Um, but just a few months ago, this I guess this summer, in the year, this European summer, I started writing fiction again, and I'm, I'm you know I'm feeling I'm quite quietly positive about it. So yeah, I'm, I'm working on a novel, and I, I, it's going to be set in in Malaysia. Probably, I mean, I'm almost certainly set it's going to be set which is you know, part of the country I get pulled back to time and time again. Uh, and I guess that's about it at the moment. I mean, you know, I don't. You know, that's what I think it's going to be about. You know, in 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 a year or two, I mean, you might see a novel. You know, I might send you the proofs, and it's probably might be set in in in, in Alaska. <laughs> uh,
0: you know what? I'm sure there are parallels between Klantan and Alaska. Which you 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 need to go find them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tash, thank you so much for talking to me today. I will I will see you in Singapore.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Look
0: forward to that. I've been speaking to Tash Ao. He is a featured author at this year's edition of the Singapore Writers Festival. You can catch him across the causeway this coming weekend on two great panels called The Places I Write About and Exporting Southeast Asia to the World. You've been listening to Bookmark. This is The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9.